Hello and welcome to Jill Johnson's Money Wisdom. I'm John Stillman alongside Jill Johnson, Certified Financial Planner and the CEO of Johnson Brunetti, the official wealth management partner of the Yukon Huskies. He's been published in Forbes and the Hartford Business Journal. He's the host of Better Money on WFSB Channel 3 on the Saturday and Sunday morning news with Kara Sunlin every weekend. You can also see Better Money on WCBB in Boston, Channel 5. He's been an analyst for Fox, Connecticut, NBC 30, and WTNH Channel 8. He's written eight of his own books most famously the money map and he's with us here today joel uh, we have an action-packed day ahead of us here on the program what's on your mind well we sure do i mean i'm excited about the show today because there's so much confusion out there what's going on in this market why is it down so much is it really um something outside market forces that's causing it to go down or are we in a bubble so much confusion so i'm excited about clearing some of that out today helping people get I don't know, their mind back, if that makes sense, because with all the media today and everything instantly available on the iPhone and so on, it just, it it causes people to want to react so quickly. And so I'm excited about the show today because we're going to put some of the current events in perspective, John, and help our listeners make sure that they don't make the same kind of mistakes that their friends are making right now. So we will talk about that later in the program, the biggest market crashes of all time, the Market Crash Hall of Fame, if you will. Joel, first, though, I thought it would be helpful if we answer some questions in the mailbag. So let's do that. We're going to start today with Annie. Annie says, I want to put in a screened-in porch, but the only way I could pay for it would be either taking an extra $20,000 out of my IRA this year, I'm already taking about $25,000 for my regular income, or taking out a home equity loan to cover it, which is better. Well, good question, Annie. And this is a dilemma or a decision that a lot of people have to make. And I, I want to talk about the the analytical part of this, and then we'll talk about the personality or emotional side of it. Because the analytical part's the same for everybody. The personality or emotional part of this decision is different, Annie, depending on who you are. So here's the dilemma, as I as I heard you say it, or as I've read it here. You want $20,000 because you want to build a porch. And let's just pretend your screened-in porch is going to cost $20,000. And you have two choices. You can go down to the bank and take out a home equity loan, or you can take $20,000 out of your IRA. If you want to take out a home equity loan from the bank, you're going to take a home equity loan out for $20,000. You don't pay any taxes when you take out that loan, right? So you can put $20,000 in your pocket to spend on the screened-in porch, And you don't pay any taxes on that money. You pay it back over time, and you're probably in today's interest rate environment, maybe going to pay 3% interest, something like that. Or you could take the $20,000 out of your IRA to spend on your porch. But here's the problem. You have to pay taxes when money comes out of the IRA. So it might cost you $26,000 or $28,000 to take out and keep the twenty. dollars You follow that? Because you can't just take 20 out. You won't have 20 left over. You've got to pay taxes on that money depending on your tax bracket. So I don't know what your tax bracket is, Annie, but I do know that you're going to have to take out more than the 20000 to be able to buy your porch. So you take the money out of the IRA. Yes, you don't have any debt, but it's going to cost you more than 20000 If you take it out of a home equity loan, then you just have that feeling, oh, I owe the bank some money, but you can pay that off over a two, three, four, five-year period with the money out of the IRA, and it's not so costly from a tax standpoint. Now, the answer to which is better, I think I just said, if it was just all analytical financial planning, which is where a lot of my colleagues in this business make a mistake, 
They just talk to you like you're a, like you're some kind of a robot. If it was all analytical, I would say, well, you should take it in the form of a home equity line. But you know what? I think about my parents. They don't want to owe anybody any money. They would actually pull money out of their IRA and pull some more to pay the taxes before they would go out and take out a home equity line. They just don't like the feeling of owing anybody any money. So that last part, Annie, that's an emotional decision. You have to decide what's right for you. But if we're just analyzing the dollars and cents, I would rather have you take out a home equity loan. Also, uh, one thing that a lot of people seem to miss out on, Joel, or not pay attention to is when they're taking money out of the IRA like that, they don't know where their thresholds are in terms of their Medicare Part B premium. So if you're on Medicare and now suddenly your income is higher, it could be that you're now paying quite a bit more for your Medicare if you jump up into the next bracket on that table. So a lot of thresholds you need to be aware of with those IRA withdrawals. No question. All right. How about Randall? Randall says, I haven't decided on a specific retirement date yet, but hopefully it'll be sometime in the next four years. With all the recent market volatility, should I just move my retirement savings to cash until everything blows over? Well, Randall, uh, the answer generally is probably not. And the reason is you're not going to spend all your money in four years uh, or at that special retirement date. You're going to spend, assuming you have a normal life expectancy, and let's say you're going to retire at 65, you're going to spend your money over a 25, maybe even a 35-year period of time. So don't look at it like, okay, I've got to get all the money out of the market because I'm going to need all the money in four years when I retire. That's not the case. Now, with that said, you need to make sure that you've got the right blend of market-based accounts and safe accounts. When I say market-based, I mean stocks and bonds, things that can go up and down every day, mutual funds, and safe accounts, things that do not go up and down every day. You need to have the right blend. For some people, the blend is 60% of their money should be safe. For others, it's 30 or 40%. But when you get close to retirement, you want some of your money protected so it can't go down. But again, 25, 30, 35 years in retirement, you want that inflation hedge. You want that investment that when the market's up 20%, you're going to capture a big chunk of that. And so I would suggest, Randall, you come on in, visit with me, visit with somebody on my team, and let's make sure you have the right blend. But try to resist the temptation to just go to cash, sell everything, and wait till it blows over because you won't know when it blows over. And chances are what's going to happen is you'll do the wrong thing at the wrong time. Market goes back up. You missed the upturn. The more you make decisions and move things around, the higher the probability you're going to make a mistake. All right. One final question in the mailbag for you, Joel. This is Tess, who says, as part of my divorce settlement, I'll receive a portion of my husband's pension for as long as he's alive. Should I take out a life insurance policy on him in case he dies well before me, meaning I'd lose a big chunk of my retirement income? Tess, I like the way you're thinking. That is very smart. Because remember what life insurance does. Life insurance insures a stream of income that is lost. Let me give you an example. I first bought life insurance uh, when we were first married, and then I bought some more when we decided to have our oldest child, Brandon, who's now 30 years old. Why did I buy that life insurance? Because I was the main breadwinner in the home, and the life insurance insured my future income that would be lost if I died. So I had this future income that was going to come in over a number of years to support a lifestyle that we were going to have. But if I died, 
that income would be gone. And so I could buy a life insurance policy to replace that income over a period of time. This is exactly what you're talking about, Tess. If your husband dies, that pension payment stops. And so you buy life insurance to ensure the future value or the future payment of those monthly checks. Um, now, you have to get your husband to agree um, that you know he will get an insurance policy. He's going to have to cooperate. He doesn't pay for it, but he has to cooperate. He has to, you know, allow his doctor's records to be released to the insurance company and so on. But well, sometimes, it is a good sometimes idea. Sometimes that's even part of the divorce decree I've seen where they have to allow that. Right. That's correct. That's correct. Or somebody has to maintain a certain amount of life insurance that they already have. And so good idea, Tess. Again, anytime you're insuring, uh, you're buying an insurance policy, I don't care if it's life insurance, long-term care, an annuity, you're shifting some type of risk to the insurance company. And in this case, you would be shifting the risk of that future income to the insurance company so they guarantee that future income for you. So, Joel, I think all these questions are very important in that they strike right at the heart of what you do, which is helping people who are retired already or will be retiring soon. So if somebody wants some help on that front, what should they do? Well, the first thing you should do is call us and get an income analysis. Get this income projection we do. What people love about this is it's so simple to understand. It's not one of these 120-page binders that you get from some of these other financial planning firms that's every nickel of cash flow you're going to have for the next 37 years. It's just a simple five- or six-page piece that says you're going to be okay or you're not going to be okay. You need to make some changes and what rate of return you need on your money to be okay. Now, that's part of our overall money map retirement plan. So we'll give you that too. It's a one-page financial plan that shows your entire financial life on one page, and we'll even give you some recommendations on how to better your situation. It's the income analysis. We'll take your portfolio of stocks, bonds, mutual funds, your 401k, and run it through a risk analysis. So it comes with a lot of stuff, but what I want you to hear me say here, folks, is that it's simple. It's easy to understand. It's easy to get started, and there is no obligation. Um, So give us a call. Set up a time to come in and visit to get your income analysis, your money map retirement plan. There's no better time than now with what's going on in the world. So call now, one 800 705 1232. Once again, 1 800 705 1232. Great opportunity to get that money map retirement review. 800 705 1232. Call or text, whichever is easiest for you. We'll reach back out to you later and find a time that works for you to come in for your review. 800 705 1232. That's 800 705 1232. You're listening to Joel Johnson's Money Wisdom. Joel is a certified financial planner and the CEO of Johnson Brunetti, the official wealth management partner of the Yukon Huskies. Well, it certainly has been a turbulent couple of weeks, some really bad days, some really good days in the market. So uh, let's talk about some of the Market Crash Hall of Fame members, or maybe it's Hall of Shame, I don't know, but uh, the biggest market crashes of all time, just to, to put recent events, as you said, sort of in perspective. So uh, let's go way back, Joel, almost 100 years to the granddaddy, Black Tuesday. Uh, this is what really kicked off the Great Depression. So what happened then in October of 1929? Well, October 1929, of course, yes, it was the Great Depression. A lot of the laws that exist today did not exist back then as far as insider trading and market manipulation and, and so on. And also, there was no electronic information available. So when you wanted to trade a stock, you would physically go down to wherever they were trading the stocks and put your order in or put your order in from somewhere else, and that would be transmitted um, to the actual exchange. And so 
very, very slow um, as far as information went. So people didn't all have the same information. Insider trading was perfectly legal. There was all kinds of market manipulation going on. Um, you could borrow all kinds of money to buy stocks without putting up any kind of collateral. And so the Dow in October 29th of 1929 fell by 12%. And it ended this long, long bubble that had happened where everybody was just getting rich in the market. And then, of course, after that came the Great Depression, and it took until 1944. Think about that. Market starts to drop in October of 1929. It took until 1944 for the market to get back to the same level it was at in 1929. Fifteen years it took the market to get back up to that same level. You know, the other thing, John, is we get into this saying that we've all heard, which is the market always comes back. And it did come back, but it took 15 years. So if you were 60 years old when this happened, getting ready to retire, and the market dropped on you, assuming you didn't need any money out of your account, it took until age 75 for the market to get back up to the level that it did when you were 60 years old. If you start peeling money off that account, it never recovers. You can do the math. Take 4% a year out of an account that's gone down 30 or 40 or 50%. Even if the market comes back, you don't recover, which is why it's so important that people have the right allocation between risk money and safe money in their portfolio. We want to take some risk. We want to be exposed to the market because that's the best inflation hedge that allows us to have liquidity. But we've got to have some of our money safe. So in times when the market is down, we don't take income off of that. We take income off of the piece that didn't go down. All right. So that was October 29th of 29 that we had Black Tuesday. Very ironic that Black Monday, 60 years later almost, was also in October. It was October 22nd of 1987. Now, this was, correct me if I'm wrong, this was just a year or two before you even became a financial advisor, right? But I'm sure you remember it well. Yeah, it was a year and three quarters. I got into this business in June of 1989. Uh, This was in 1987, October of 1987. The Dow Jones Industrial Average dropped 500 points. Doesn't seem like a big deal, does it? But that was 22.9%. 22 22.9% in a day. That would be like right now having the market fall 6,000 points in a day. And so when you hear people say, oh, it's the biggest decline of all time, that's only on a points basis. That doesn't really mean anything. What means something is what percentage did the market drop. So a little while back, we were having these drops of 2 or 3% on a day. They're coming to my office, three different TV stations asking me to explain it. It's all the talk on the nightly news. Imagine 22% in a day. What kind of fear would that generate through our economy? I don't know if that'll happen again, but big downturns will certainly happen again where maybe we have 20 or 30% in the course of 6 to 18 months. In fact, it's almost guaranteed that that happens again because it's just been a historical fact. That's how markets work. So let's fast forward a little bit to the dot-com crash. Now, this one, there wasn't necessarily um, a a red-letter day or a black swan event day in the dot-com crash. It was kind of a death by a thousand cuts, long sustained kind of downturn. Well, it was, and, and it was built on this, this, what I say is a joke, this joke that a bunch of techies out in Silicon Valley are going to change the world because the internet got started and we're just going to be able to, any company that put a dot com behind their name immediately increased in value in the stock market. And it was just ridiculous. Um, We had companies that didn't make any money at all 
going public and having their stock price skyrocket. There was a company called Pets.com, never made any money, went out of business, but was valued in the billions of dollars. And so the granddaddy of them all, you, you call it the one that happened in 1929, but the granddaddy of all, as far as people that should be very smart, being so consumed with their own wisdom that they caused this irrational exuberance in the market, that was the year 2000. And it's interesting, a lot of those companies that failed back then because they were nothing but internet companies in a dream and they didn't have any earnings, we look at that 20 years later, they've actually, that those ideas are now in place and doing pretty well. But the problem is it was way ahead of its time and everybody, I remember the cleaning guy in our office building walking around giving financial advisors stock tips. If that's not a clue that the market has topped, I don't know what is. And people were doubling and tripling their money in six months. And it was right before the top. And people think there, there's no, I'm going to borrow off my house to go into the market because everybody's making all this money. And the most dangerous words were uttered, which is, it's different this time. The internet has come along and it's different this time. And those are some of the most dangerous words you can utter or hear when it comes to investments. Yep. It's almost never different. Um, Joel, how about this? September 17th, 2001. You'll note that this is a few days after September 11th. The market had been closed for most of the week. Well, it was closed for all the week after 9-11 happened. Uh, opened up the following Monday. Pretty bad day. Pretty bad day because people just wanted out. Um, the fact that you could not buy or sell stocks, because this is the beauty of the market, right? The stock market is completely liquid. I, I shouldn't say the entire market, but for the most part, any company that you've heard of that trades on an exchange, it's completely liquid. We can buy and sell those shares within a fraction of a second. So you can always get out if you need to. Well, remember, after 9-11, the market's actually closed for a period of time. And for a trader that many times is borrowing money to trade, these big institutions, Goldman Sachs and JP Morgan and big pension funds and so on, many times they're borrowing money to trade. They can't get out for a few days. That is very, very dangerous for some. It just rattled people. And so when those markets opened back up, people were just running for the exits. They wanted to regroup. They wanted to figure out where's the country going? Are there going to be more terrorist attacks? And they just wanted cash and it just crushed the market. The downturn that happened that started in April of 20, of 2000, March or April, depending on which index you're measuring, it was not a quick drop. It was, you know, a big down day and then a couple bounces and another down day. And it took I want to say two years, two and a half years before the market actually bottomed. So it was like the water torture where they're dripping it on your forehead and it just goes on and on. And that's what it was like. And people just got worn out. And so it was different. So we've got the dot-com crash in 2000 that started September 11th, happened a couple of years after that. And it just the market just continued to go down. And why are we talking about all this? We're not talking about this to get you depressed. We're just trying to put things in perspective because we've had an up market for 10 years. I've been saying for a long time, we're due for this. Are, did I say we were due for the coronavirus or another banking situation or something like that? No, I didn't say that. I just said it's normal for markets to go down every few years and down significantly. It's like the inhaling and the exhaling of a human body. You can't just inhale all the time. And so this is normal. That's all. The cause is always pointed somewhere differently, but this is normal, and your financial plan needs to 
be in order so that you don't count on market returns every year to drive financial success. You want to have a good portfolio where you don't have all your eggs in one basket and you're not depending on luck and the market continuing to go up for you to have a successful retirement. Everybody remembers this one because this one is the most recent and it's the last one we'll talk about here in our Market Crash Hall of Fame discussion. Obviously, 2008, not that far in the rearview mirror, although it seems sometimes like it was a long time ago, but considering it was our last big market crash, it wasn't really that long ago. So 2008, what were things like around the office at that point? Well, you know, again, in our office, John, we're very, very conservative, so we didn't get tons of calls or, you know, certainly way less calls than my friends at other firms just because we're conservative. But there was a lot of fear out there in the public. I mean, you know, and again, we had a bubble. What was the bubble? The bubble was people were able to borrow money to buy anything they wanted to, including stocks, including houses that they couldn't afford. And a lot of people got rich doing that. The big investment banks and people that wrote mortgages got rich, but the public got hurt. And so, you know, and then what happened? Well, pretty soon those mortgages couldn't be paid. They started defaulting. Wall Street banks had used those mortgages to buy more stuff. All of a sudden, the payments weren't coming in from the public who had bought houses and so on. The Wall Street banks had to start selling stuff. They couldn't sell stuff because there were no buyers. And the market just started to go down. And we basically saw a situation where Lehman Brothers went out of business, Bear Stearns, went out of business. They were forced to sell to J.P. Morgan. Merrill Lynch, the thundering herd, while telling us what to do with our money, they went broke and had to be absorbed by Bank of America. Wachovia um, Securities, I don't even remember where they went to, but they're gone now. They're part of Wells Fargo now. They're part of Wells Fargo. There you go. So it was just the carnage was unbelievable because it hit all the Wall Street firms, probably just like it did in 1929, but we had not seen that um, for many, many years. So uh, anybody that's alive today, that's what they saw um, as far as Wall Street institutions failing was that 2008 mortgage crisis. So the question is, what's the next one? I don't know. Nobody knows. Run away from somebody that says they've got some kind of secret sauce that says they know. Here's the bottom line. It's a waste of time talking about when the next one is. What I want you to think about is, is your retirement security, whether you're already retired or you're within five years of retirement, is your retirement security dependent on the performance of a stock market? It should not be. You should have a financial plan set up that has an income analysis that lets you know the most important thing that people ask us. I had a client a little while back asking me, Joel, are we going to be okay? There's all this stuff going on out there, all these financial products. I don't understand, Joel, are we going to be okay? And you need to be able to answer that question. And when times get tough, like they have been, and the news is blaring about some problem that's going to drive the market down lower, you should have the peace of mind of knowing you're going to be okay. You do not want your retirement success based on the stock market performing at a certain level. And so call us, call us, let us help you. Let us give you that peace of mind or let us give you strategies to fix your situation that may be broken. It's absolutely free. You can come in, sit down with one of our advisors, got a whole bunch of certified financial planners on the staff. We're all very experienced. We do everything as a team, but use us to get a second opinion because this might be the most important second opinion you get. 
You don't want to be broke in retirement. You don't want to run out of money. And you also don't want to feel this horrible feeling that some people feel in their stomach when the market's going crazy and you don't know if you're going to be okay. So call us now. Come on in. There's no charge for this visit. If you want to become a client after that visit, great. If you don't, that's fine too. But we want to make sure we get what we call our money map, our roadmap to your financial success into your hands. So call 1-800-705-1232. Again, it's 1-800-705-1232. Come on in, get your money map, make sure you're going to be okay. That's 800-705-1232. 800-705-1232. Get your money map retirement review. Leave with a copy of one of Joel's books. You'll feel much better just having some education about what's going on with your money and some idea of what you need to be doing moving forward. No cost, no obligation. Call or text whichever's easiest for you. 800-705-1232. That's 800-705-1232. That's all we have time for today. Thanks so much for tuning in to Joel Johnson's Money Wisdom. We'll talk with you next week right here. Same time, same place. Have a great week. Money Wisdom is sponsored by Johnson Brunetti. Investment advisory services offered through JB Capital LLC, a registered investment advisor. Insurance products offered through JN Financial LLC. Johnson Brunetti is a paid sponsor of the Yukon Huskies athletic program. Better Money is sponsored by Johnson Brunetti.